Hey, I'm Jane Oakley, a Matilda alumni footballer, number 36, and you're listening to Radio Karen. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest has experience in parenting three children with anxiety and OCD. Stacey Quick has had OCD as a child and has been a licensed professional counsellor for the last 10 years who specialises in the treatment of OCD at her clinic. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Stacey Quick, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. Look, um, give me like a brief synopsis about the fact that you've parented three kids with anxiety and OCD, and you also have OCD yourself, right? But like, tell us a little bit about your journey to getting diagnosed and like, and then how you went on to like cancel people on it. Yeah, well, um, it's 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 a long story. Um, I'm That's actually. Right. <laughs> I am um, I'm now in my 40s and it started around age six for me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's what it was because this would have been the 80s. Um, and although that's not that long ago, it really is. Yeah, but it is. <laughs> it is with everything like 80s. We didn't really yeah. have the internet in the 80s. Yeah, which is like, crazy. I know. I no it. facey, no Insta, none I of know. that malarkey. God, life was so simple then. <laughs> it was. It was. But, you know, and, and, and I get people who complain about the lack of information on OCD, and I kind of laugh, although I agree to a certain extent. Like, I do agree that there could be a lot more accurate information out there. But then the little, like, six-year-old me who grew up in the 80s and then the 90s as a teenager says, oh, my goodness, the wealth of information is so much more today than it ever was. But, um, the point, I guess, is that there's a lot of misinformation out there today. So, yeah, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Did you get diagnosed at six? No, no. I actually, um, well, I found out that I had OCD at 15. But my my mom knew <sighs> something was wrong <laughs> from a very young age. So how did, how did OCD manifest within you then because like um, and maybe we should take a step back from all of that right and go what is OCD right because my picture and view of OCD and I do not know anyone with it apart from yourself is oh. that it is that OCD is where people wash their hands constantly or you know and things like oh. that right wow, which this is be I'm sure is yeah, well, and I'm sure it's, it's so not much right. more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
so exactly. much more. Yeah. So how yeah. did it man? How was it manifesting in you? And yeah, no. So so obsessive compulsive disorder (OCD) is really um, obsessions are unwanted, intrusive thoughts, images, urges, or feelings, um, and that they trigger intense feelings that are distressing and, and intense anxiety, basically, and they can take on anything, anything you can think of, right? Um, and then the second part of having a diagnosis of OCD is compulsions, right? You have to have both obsessions and compulsions, and they have to interfere with your life in a pretty um, impactful way. So um, if you're spending more than one hour a day in obsessive thinking or compulsions, then you can meet criteria for this. And then there are some other um, criteria as well. But compulsions are really any type of behavior mentally or outwardly that somebody might do to reduce that that distress or that anxiety. And so um, you're like many, many people um, would think the washing, right? That's one of the most well-known and it's a great example because that can be part of it. And so washing would be the compulsion in that case. Um, but really contamination themed OCD is pretty, um, it's common, but there's so many other different themes as well. So it could be that you, and I'm just saying, putting this out there, but okay, I'm going to go, could it be that you would check the locks on your doors, right? Your front and back doors, but you'd have to check it like five times before you left the house or whatever. That's like a compulsion that you would have to do yes. something like that. Um, or switch the light switches on and off three times. Yeah, those are great examples. Those are perfect examples of of compulsions, of outward compulsions. Um, there are uh, inward ones too, but we'll touch on that too. But but some mental compulsions. Um, Stirring your tea the I right way is that another one? <laughs> it could be anything. It could be anything. Wow. I'll, I'll tell you. Well, so for me. Um, I had developed this intense fear around gasoline when I was very young. Like, I don't know, like gasoline that you put in yeah. cars. Um, yeah, like we would call it petrol so, over here, but yeah, gasoline. Yeah. Okay, okay that's what yeah. I wondered. I was like, oh, I wonder if it's a different yeah, word. No, that's I okay. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but that's quite a healthy fear. Because <laughs> well, it can set you on yes. fire and kill you, right? So I, it can. I took it a little far, oh, okay. though. So, um, yeah. So that's the other piece, right? So I want to also say a couple things. OCD is known as the doubting disease or the doubting disorder. Um, at its root is doubt and uncertainty. That's really, really important because it can take on any theme. But if you think of it as a disorder of doubt, so people doubt their memories, they doubt what they've touched. That's why they go back and recheck and recheck because they can't be sure that they've done it. Um, it really is this, but what if, what if, or just in case. So that that's the first important thing. Um and then, and then important to recognize that it's, it's always excessive. And when we talk about obsessions in this disorder, it is not things that are enjoyable to the person. So it causes a great deal of suffering and a great deal of, um, 
time is taken up in these obsessions and compulsions. Yeah, yeah because you've got to do them or would I be right in saying you've got to do them or something bad would happen or? Sometimes that's the thought, right? That if I don't do this, something bad will happen. Um, Sometimes it's just this feeling. Sometimes it's something very specific. It really is dependent on the person. Um, Like I said, it can kind of take on anything. Um, And it can be very complex and it can be um, something that you wouldn't readily see in a child necessarily uh, unless you really knew what you were looking for. So your mom thought something's going on here um, with yourself. And like when you say you had like an issue with gasoline, right, petrol, what what was it? Can you talk about that? So, yeah. or- yeah, for sure. Um, my mom, she just knew something was off, right? Um, and I'll tell you why. But um, yeah, I just, this wasn't my first OCD fear looking back, but it was one of the more persistent ones. And so my dad worked in like a factory. And so he would often come home with like oil on his work clothes. Um, and my dad was very much a... Um, very clean and that was very important and so he would immediately change his clothing and shower and everything and just I don't know so I developed this idea that it was deadly oh wow okay which was sort of fair enough with you how your dad would come home and clean it all off and you know I could understand that okay and so did this affect you getting in cars and well, what I would do is I would trace wherever he touched. So he would come home oh. and if he touched a door handle yeah. or if he touched a glass or if he touched a couch, then I would just sort of mentally note that it was now dirty and I would try to do something to make it undirty. And I wasn't so much afraid that I would get sick. It was always somebody I loved would die. Like I really thought that just by touching gas and that they, that they would then ingest it and die. And so um, the biggest memory that sticks out is my mom had been doing laundry on our, in our living room and um, she left the room and I had gotten it in my head that something had contaminated the clothes and that they were all dirty. And I knew I couldn't just go put them back in the hamper because she would, she would know. So, you know, I'm young and probably not the brightest, but I stole like this big old pile of towels and I went and hid them in a closet um, thinking that I was protecting them from like gas, like that they would have had they used the towels, they could have ingested it and died. Um, and of course that didn't work. She, she, she promptly knew that I had done something. Um, okay. So then that's quite a terrifying thought for you to have as a child that, you know, because. And I couldn't explain it. It wasn't something I could tell them. So then it was even weirder. It was like, that's Stacy and she's doing these weird things. But I don't know that I could tell them why. And because in a way, we've all been through that with the pandemic, right? Because like and experienced 
somehow, and I'm not saying it's the same as what you've experienced, but, you know, where you'd go shopping or whatever and you'd have a mask on and you would, like, be very concerned about touching things and and going in certain places and um, sort of get to a certain level, especially here in Melbourne, like you get to a certain level of a paranoia, right? Because, you know, we were locked in our houses, we couldn't go out, you know, you didn't know who you were walking down the street with who may have it or might not have it or what. So it's just like, it was horrendous really wandering around in that environment. But you had that because you'd, your thought processes were dealing with it as a child till the age of 15. Then what happened? What's interesting is I didn't, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know didn't know what it was though and so I didn't really tell I knew enough to know that like it's kind of goofy and I shouldn't talk about it um and so I tried to hide it but so so fast forward and this happened with numerous things not just gas but that is one that sticks out um um we were watching like a news show and there was um a spotlight on a a boy who had OCD and that's how my mom oh. seen the special uh, yeah, okay. yeah. And she said, Oh my gosh, this is you. And um, yeah, and then it would take um that was when I was 15, and I think I got treatment around 21 wow. that was actually helpful. Um, I had had some treatments that weren't so helpful. Um, just because even back well, then I don't knew, think there was I suppose. really what it was. Yeah. And what did it was yeah. so what to what do they believe triggers OCD is it hereditary or is it like something that triggers it within you as a baby or a young child that then um that then makes you like obsess and be compulsive about some of the things that you do and also well there's a lot of questions I'm throwing at you here so sorry let's start no, let's, that's okay. you know let's start with those ones because <laughs> I got so many questions yeah, that's okay. No, I I love it. I um I I love to get the word out about it. Um because I do think it's a mysterious kind of still to this day a little bit mysterious, but um the overwhelming consensus is that it's genetic, right? We know that if you have um a relative with it, you're more likely to to, you know, get it. Um, also environment can trigger it, right? Um, there seems to be like, like most mental health issues, you know, some people seem to be predisposed to certain ones. Um, so it's likely I was predisposed to that. I said, you know, my dad had his own sort of, um, obsessive compulsive tendencies and then, um, anxieties run in my family and different things. So I was probably a ticking, you know, I was probably ready to um, burst with it at some point. And, and then, you know, different things in your life, life stressors, things like that can bring it about sometimes trauma, but, but not always. A lot of people have OCD who don't have trauma. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot more work that needs to be done, but there are parts of your brain that aren't working correctly. Um, I would venture to say that there's parts of your brain that involve memory um, that are are not properly working. And, and the other thing I always tell people is it's that um, that part of your brain that says, you know, there's a danger, the the fight, flight, or or freeze kind of thing. Um, 
with OCD, it always feels like fight or flee. Um, it always feels like a danger when you have these thoughts, but, but there's not, it's a false alarm. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a mixture of a yeah. lot of things. I will say two of my kids have been diagnosed with it. Um, so I definitely think at least in my situation, it's very genetic. Um, having had it from such a young age, like I clearly remember, um, so many things that I now know were this disorder. So yeah, I think, and then in very rare cases, but it does happen, there's something called pandas, um, where it comes on almost overnight. Um, and it happens with children typically, but um, it's a very, very, um, a quick onset of very severe OCD symptoms that are very different than before. And that's an auto uh, immune response after a strep infection. Oh, okay. Well, uh, and that was the other thing. Well, the other thing I was going to ask is like, can you get OCD later on in life, right? So you go through your teenage years, your 20s, and then you get to 30, say, and uh, can you then discover? So is it a discovery that you had OCD when you were younger, or is it that OCD can be triggered at an older age? Yeah, um, my experience and and what I what I know about it is most people are are experience their first onset around nineteen twenty, the college years. Um, a lot of those people do look back and see different patterns of behavior that just weren't maybe as severe before then. But not everyone. Some people genuinely just start having it about nineteen twenty. Um, Pretty rare to get it after um, your 30s, but it can happen. Um, but yeah, mo the majority of people will 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 have symptoms in their early 20s, yeah. I would say. Because I read somewhere that OCD is a form of PTSD, but not from what you're saying. Maybe that's this no. is the false information that's around. Yeah, yeah, it's not. You can have both. And wow. sometimes OCD is triggered by a traumatic event. Um, and the other thing that, that recently I actually just wrote an article on was that OCD in, in and of itself can be a trauma. Um, but the two don't necessarily go hand in hand, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I did wonder if it would, if it was due to trauma and things like that. Because there's so many other things that can be triggered yeah. by traumatic experiences in your childhood that you bury or whatever, and that they come out later on in life and things like that. Um, yeah. And it's so like at the end of the day, mental illness is such a complex subject and complex because like we're complex human beings, right? Who knows what goes yeah. on in our heads sometimes? Yeah. I know yeah, I don't. There's still a lot, a lot to find out for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how do you recognize it if you're a parent? How did you recognize it in your own children? Yeah, um, for me, it was pretty easy, to be honest. I mean, I, it just has a flavor about it. And, and when you've had it your whole life, you just see it. You just know it when you see it. And so... Um, it it was, um, uh, well, I'll give you some examples of what I tell parents who who maybe wouldn't 
know what to look for is is reassurance seeking. This is a big one with kids, you know, um, checking in a lot with their parents and saying, like, is this okay? But to an excessive amount. So a lot of children I've worked with, um, and this was also a theme of mine as a kid, was um, an obsession around lying. So it was this idea of if I lied, then I was a bad person. But then it became everything I said could potentially be a lie. How do I know it's not a lie? And I see this in a lot of children. Um, And so then, then the compulsions look a lot like, you know, well, you know, mom, are you sure that that's true? Or, you know, um, what do you think about this? Or am I okay? If I, if I did accidentally lie, is that okay? Or adding words, I call them kind of filler words. So it might look like you asking your child, did, did you have a good day at school today? And they might say, yeah, I think, right. Um, because that's like a safety, like, okay, I didn't just lie. Cause I said, I think, cause I'm not sure which all goes back to that certainty, right? I can't ever feel certain. Wow. Okay. And so you're- Confessing is a big one. Confessing. For kids. Yep. So sort of like, oh, hey, I was at school today and, um, you know, I I stepped on Johnny's toes. Do you think I'm bad or I'm going to get in trouble, right? Or- you know, I might have I might have said a bad word at school today, even though you didn't. But just in case, if I did, is that okay? Is it that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's saying that's the uncertainty side of things. And yeah. so yeah. as a child then, are they just doubting are they just doubting themselves all the time then? They're just going I don't know, am I a bad person because, would I be a bad person because, and they're just constantly, that's that obsessive situation where they're just doubt, doubt, doubt. Oh, my God, could something bad happen because of, wow, okay. Not trusting their own judgments is a big sign, right? Like not trusting um, sort of their own reliance on something. Um, The other thing is... um, well, I'll give you an example. I guess when when I was little, I this is, so when people have OCD, they have this uh, hyper sense of responsibility. So it's sort of like I have found, and this is just a, my Stacy's own research here, in all the people I've worked with, hundreds of people. Um, so take it for for that, but. I think that the majority of people with OCD are very conscientious. They're very aware and sensitive, very hypersensitive, probably to a fault. And so what you'll often see is this intense fear around something that could hurt somebody they love or themselves. Um, And then this intense sort of feeling of responsibility that I have to somehow correct it before it ever happens. And so um, the example I'll give is um, when I was little, um, six, seven, eight, all the way up to honestly, probably I was a teenager. I would always have to say whenever anybody left me uh, to go anywhere, I would always have to say, wear your seatbelt. And my thinking was, 
if I didn't say it and they didn't wear their seatbelt and something bad happened, it's all my fault. Because you didn't remind right. them, basically. Because I didn't remind them. And so clearly that was my fault then, right? And But I really, I'm smiling as I say it, but at those moments, it was real. Like the idea that if I didn't say that, they would die and it would be all my fault. And it was just too much. And so there were times, but then I couldn't remember, did I actually say that or not? So I'd say it over and over and over again. Oh, wow. Or if they ignored me, like if they were just like, it's just Stacy, ignore her, then I couldn't be sure because they didn't respond. Because you couldn't be sure that they'd heard you, which meant that they wouldn't maybe wear their seatbelt and die and therefore it would be on you. That would be all you my You had fault. to make them acknowledge and hear you. So then... Wow. Such so that's what I say to look for for kids is like they'll usually have this like what you might see is just this quirky behavior or this um sort of fixation on something sort of not important to you. But if it's reoccurring constantly and you're noticing that they get very anxious about it, um, you know, there there's a chance. That would be something I would I would want to know about. That's such a massive thing to put on yourself as a child, though. Like such a massive anxiety as such to somebody else's death, which is not your fault at the end of the day, but you think it is on you. It's massive. Um, Wow. Okay. So then, Christ, what do you do if you go, if you're listening to this, right? And you go, oh, that's my child, Defo. Um, what do you do? And um, I'm, I'm thinking, don't Google it at the, you know, yeah. like, because there's so much like <laughs> false so stuff out there. And there, there's some great stuff out there too. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of misleading information for sure in the media and, in the television and movies and and that i think i think the thing that most people get wrong about ocd is they only see compulsions they don't see the reason that is often driving that which is intrusive thoughts such as you know i'm responsible for the lives of all these people i love right it's not that they're just out there doing typically these compulsions right there's usually this this agony behind it. And so, yeah. But I, I what I say is get treatment. The earlier, the better. I mean, I tell people all the time if, and it's no one's fault. It just wasn't available or known about or talked about when I was a kid, at least not by anyone I knew. Um, and so I always tell people if you could get help sooner, um, I think... I think it just changes everything, right? Like how you, you said. How do you help somebody with OCD though? How do you do sure, is, it, yeah. is it that you have to learn coping mechanisms? Is it that you have to change the internal voice that you've got that's going on in your head? And I don't know if that's even possible. Um how do you how do you get somebody help so that they can um and I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it's really hard to actually then not obsess and compulse, um, but at least do it less. Do you even do it less? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so, so 
It's an unpopular answer, but we know that the best treatment for OCD is exposure and response prevention, or ERP, which is a treatment that sort of gradually exposes you to um, your obsessive thoughts without neutralizing them. So we're changing your response to the thoughts, images, urges, because sometimes it's not just thoughts. It can be feelings. It can be this urge or this feeling like I have to do this. Um, and then images is another one. You can have intrusive images. And so it's really exposing yourself to those without responding with compulsions because when you respond with a compulsion, you're without really even knowing it or meaning to, you're reinforcing the idea in your brain that there was an actual danger and, and there never was. So we respond by not responding typically, right? Like it's 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 typically a non-engagement response. So the problem with that for people who suffer from OCD is it's it's highly anxiety provoking because in your mind, you are not getting that relief that a compulsion would temporarily bring you. But over time, you're getting long-term relief. The more you don't engage in your compulsions, the, the smaller OCD becomes because your brain starts to recognize I was never in danger and it sort of self-corrects. So like with you as a child saying, and don't forget to wear your seatbelt, right? The more and more you didn't actually say it, the more and more your brain goes, oh, that person didn't die. So it's not. And so therefore, the your brain then deals with that logic. It's it's more it allows the doubt. And, and the other piece when you're working with children is you really want the caregivers to be um, involved because they unintentionally often um, engage in the OCD compulsions without knowing it. So in a perfect world, my parents would have learned the best way to interact with my OCD would have been to not. So in other words, whereas they would then say, yes, I heard you, or they would you know, answer me 500 times about it. They would maybe even go as far to say, nope, I'm not wearing it, right? Or I don't know if I'm going to wear it or not. Um, we have a joke in my house because the deal, the, what we really want them to do is sit with the unknown. You, There's this magical thinking that's occurring, right? This idea that I can control the universe or things within it by what I say and do, which we know you know, that that's not possible. We, we right? can't do I could, that. You know, it's, it's so so we want them to learn how to manage that stress and anxiety without relying on some external force in a sense. So my son, when he was little, and even to this day, to be honest, um, he has a lot of uh, obsessive intrusive thoughts about us being angry at him, right? Me and my husband are like the most passive people you'll ever meet. It's ridiculous. We're like, we're the cool family house. Everybody wants to hang out here because we're just like, we're so laid back. Um, But if you met my son, you would probably not think that because he's constantly, I don't even know how many times a day he'll say, are you mad? Are you mad? Today, so far, I've interacted with him not much because of school, but 
I bet 10 times I've been asked it. And so I will say, (sighs) yeah. And I will say though, I don't know. I don't know. And he'll get really upset, right? He doesn't like that. Well, I can understand, right? Because you're going, I don't know, right? And he's going, well, I'd like a yes or a no, please. And I'll say, you know, I don't know. And 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 my other children will say, sit in the uncertainty, sit in the uncertainty, right? Because that's our thing. Now, I will say back before I started doing that, it would have been hundreds of times a day. So there's an improvement for sure. Yeah. Um, but the idea is, so here's the other piece. And I know I'm throwing so much information out there because there's so much. Oh, no, but it's good information. Like Good. No, people with OCD also... Um, have very high distress intolerance, which just means they don't think they can handle certain feelings. So, you know, anxiety or distress, they feel like I can't tolerate this. So a huge part of ERP treatment is getting them to see that, yes, you were highly anxious, you were stressed. And what happened, right? Was it what you feared? 99% of the time, it's not. And on that 1% that it might actually come true, okay, did you get through it? Were you able to deal with it? Yeah, because people can deal with things that, you know, you can deal with anything, right? it's, It's amazing. So over time, that's kind of, in a nutshell, how that works. And so... Oh, I did, they, well, I don't want to even say this. So it's not that they, it's not that you get cured of OCD, but you learn to live with your obsessive compulsive disorder as such. It might be that well, you, instead well, of 500 times a day saying X, you only say it 10. Yeah, most people believe it's chronic, right? It's a chronic condition. There are some that say, you know, no, it can go away, but very few. I mean, the majority of people will say it's chronic, but it isn't always severe, right? It isn't always life altering. I've worked with a lot of therapists who say things like, you know, you won't always meet criteria in terms of, you know, we use the DSM-5 here, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health. Um, So you don't always meet the criteria, meaning it doesn't always impair your functioning to that degree. For me, it's been there constant, but there are many years it's way less, it's it's much quieter. Um, And I would say from the time I was obviously younger to now, it's so much better, like night and day. So so I think there's a lot of hope there. Um, I think sometimes people get really sort of um, distressed about that. Oh, well, this is something I have to deal with for my life. And I, I always try to remind them, even if you have to deal with it your whole life, it's never the same as the beginning. It's never that scary. It gets easier and easier. Yeah. And like... You do a job with this, right? So it's not as though it's like people can go and still have a normal job and, you know, a normal life. Um, They may need to have those conversations with people in their life, like the new partners or whatever, to say, hey, you might (laughs) wonder why I do this. But, I mean, it shouldn't be um, debilitating 
I like, will say. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Well, I was no because I was thinking it like it shouldn't be debilitating, like where you just can't get on with anything. But I'm thinking that there would be times where maybe if heightened stress or whatever, it might like happen. Sure. Yeah. the The World Health Organization actually lists obsessive compulsive disorder in the top ten most dis- debilitating illnesses in the world. Wow. So that's not just mental health illness; that's physical illness. So it is very debilitating, and there are a lot of people who can't work or function in the way that they want to. Um, but I would say that many people are able to with the right treatment, right? Or sometimes that's medication. You know, I I do ERP um, as my profession, right? That's what I specialize in uh, because I believe in it and it works. And I do it in my own life and in my children's lives. Um, but I'm also a big believer in, in medication if it's needed. And I take medication and I'm, I'm open about that because I feel like that's important that I'm... Um, honest about that as well. For me, it will be a lifelong thing where I will take medication probably the rest of my life. And that's okay. Um, because my life is so much, so much better. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I suppose then, like you say, with some things like, um, autism and things like that, right? Medication is needed. ADHD, um, potentially, um, people, you know, when they're younger, take medication so they can at least get through school and, and deal with, you know, those situations and things like that. So, um, wow. I mean, it's full on. And, um, like, is your husband OCD as well? Or so he? No, he actually, you know, he actually is, is, the least anxious person I, I I had ever had ever met in my life, which is probably what drew me to him. He is a very, um, yeah, just total opposite in that regards. Um, but, you know, all three of my kids are very anxious. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It must be a powerful gene. Wow. Well, <laughs> it yeah. overtook his calmness. And um, did you find it difficult having that conversation with him about OCD or did he already know or... He knew only because like I've, I've had it my entire life. And and so when we met and everything, you know, we actually met when I was a teenager. So I was actually at my illest wow. when I met him. So he, he, I like to tell him he knew going wow, in. Exactly. So <laughs> there's no, like he, he had all the information going in, but he doesn't understand it, which is fascinating too, because I can explain it and I can try my best, but I think it's very difficult to understand unless you've really experienced it. It's it's just a tough one. It's 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 a strange. Um, it's sort of still a mysterious disorder. There there's still things we don't fully know or understand. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone who's got it who needs to? have that conversation or um speak to work because maybe their maybe their ocd isn't as um obvious and they're you know they've got a job and stuff like that but they're sort of going i really need to speak to work because they need to be how do you start that conversation how do you 
what's your advice to somebody to say, hey, this is what, go down this avenue? Yeah, I mean, that's such a... It's so personal, I know, yeah, but... Because it would, it's so dependent on, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say this, it is still very stigmatized to have mental illness. And so you always, at least where, where I'm at, right, it's still very stigmatized. And I, I hate that that's the case. And in a perfect world, we would be able to tell all of our loved ones, tell our work, and we would be able to work from that standpoint, right? We would be able to have that understanding and have those um uh, the ability to do that, unfortunately. Um, I don't know that that's possible for everyone. And so I think it really comes down to knowing when when it's safe to talk about and, and hopefully finding a job in which it is safe to talk about and you can, right? Um, and really exploring the ways in which a job is good or isn't good for your mental health because that's that's the biggie yeah. right um did you and that's hard did your parents tell your family how did your family react to your diagnosis yeah it's kind of interesting i mean no we didn't even really talk about oh, it okay. i i i didn't mention this but when i was about 10 um, I would say I was 10. Um, I had this huge panic attack where, you know, everything had led up to this, where my mom was really my go-to person that I confessed to and told all my thoughts to. And so she knew something was wrong, but she didn't know what. And my dad, um, he would just kind of, I mean, he wasn't around a lot because he worked a lot. He didn't really see it, but well, that was the eighties, wasn't it? That was the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Dads weren't there, really. Yeah. They were. Yeah, he wasn't around much. Like he was working hard and stuff, but he um he would kind of get irritated with me, and he would call it bad habits. Um, and so I never would share with him those things. But um, sort of so so ten years old is when I decided, okay, I I have to conceal this because wow. it's not good and and the reason was we were getting ready to go ice skating I, I think I've told this story before but we were going to go ice skating because I lived on a lake and I love to ice skate and I think our ice skates I was having a friend over I want to say our ice skates were stored in the garage where the gas cans were oh of God. course and I had gotten it in my head that this little girl was going to come ice skating and she was going to die because she was going to put on these gas Powered skates. <laughs> yes, yes. I was just like so worried about this. And she was going to die and it was going to be all my fault. And so I was like, I actually was having chest pains. Oh and um, my parents were actually really worried about my heart because I had complained a lot about my heart um, because my heart would like race and stuff. And so they had me laying down and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I was just breathing funny and acting all kinds of upset. And I couldn't tell them why, because that would, I knew it was weird. Um, and at some point they said to me, you know, Stacy, if you don't get it together, if this doesn't change, you're going to go see a psychiatrist. And I didn't even know what a psychiatrist was, but I knew it was bad and I knew it was scary. <laughs> so I was like, 
Okay, Stacey, you got to tuck this in because you're going to have to go to this doctor and it's a, not a good thing. And so from then on, I just got really good at hiding it. And so. Um, and I suppose yeah, people yeah. do though, don't they? If that's. I think they do. You know, like our age, they would get good at hiding it, wouldn't they? So, which is a shame because so, it's, it's not your fault. Um, you know, it's like needs to get sorted out so that they can ha have a so life. I think that, yeah, and I think that's why I went so long without treatment and stuff. So when I was diagnosed, I mean, my mom was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But even then, I didn't really find treatment and nobody really talked about it. Um, no. And, and yeah. And it's quite, we still do. But do you know, it's quite funny because, and one of the reasons I wanted to get you on to talk about it is like people go, oh, I'm a bit OCD with that, right? And I go, oh, you're not, not really, because it's not. No. Like, and they go, no. oh, that's just my OCD kicking in, right? And it's, it's mentioned so yeah. many times. Yes. Uh, and I even do it, right? So I, I know. I, I think it's a habit. Uh, yeah, but it's like, you know, um, there are certain things that I need to have a certain way and all of this stuff, but it's not OCD, right? It's just me and my quirkiness, right? right? So, you know, I, that's why I wanted you on because it can be debilitating for people and we need to understand what it is and yeah. how we help people and getting it out there and getting it taught. And thank you for, you know, you coming on board and talking and, and all the podcasts that you do because you get it out there and you talk to people um, because this is really, this is really happening, people, right? People like yourself and your kids oh. really have these thoughts and these compulsions um, and it's terrifying. It can be terrifying for you guys, right? And so anyone who's out there who's got a child who's going through this or who is going through it themselves, you know, there, there are things that can be done to help, um, you know, ease the situation. I'm not going to say cure the situation, but ease the situation. Um, and it's just, we just got to talk about these things. It's, you yeah. know, yeah, it's nothing to be ashamed and, and of. It isn't. And and honestly, I've I've scraped just the surface. There's so much more to it. There's so many ways in which it can manifest and taboo ways, ways in which nobody wants to talk about. That's the other piece of, of OCD, you know, that nobody mentions. Um, yeah, there's a lot of information if people are interested. Um, no CD. Um, we see people via telehealth, but um, we also have a free downloadable app if you go to treatmyocd.com. Um, and there's lots of tools, lots of education and a community of support within there. Um, really important that people know that they're not alone because that's one of the biggest things with any mental health condition. I People always feel alone. Um, and then I have yeah, they're not. There's hundreds upon hundreds that just I see, let alone, you know, the world. Um, and so, look, if people yeah. wanted to um, ask you questions or, um, you know, um, communicate with you, um, get help, get advice, whatever, like where do they, where do they find you? Which yeah, um, the best place is really my Instagram, stacyquick.undone. 
um, that's, I try to respond to people as much as I can. Um, but I am a therapist at no CD and, um, I primarily have shifted to writing, doing more of a writing position. So I don't see as many people for therapy, but, um, but they offer ERP to children as young as I believe it's three or four. Um, and they offer it all over the world. I mean, I've had people in the UK, I've had people in Australia. Um, yeah, so it's out there. There is treatment. Um, and I know we offer payment plans and things like that and try to make it affordable. We accept a lot of insurances, um, that kind of thing. And and I know I know treatment's life-changing. And so I always um whenever especially a young kid comes in, I'm always just so hopeful because I think if you can get it when they're young, you can really start to change some of those long-standing patterns. Yeah. But well. Yeah. But this is the thing, right? It's like everything, you know, if you can get it when they're young, um, then great. But it doesn't mean to say that treatment's not going to work if you're older as well, right? Because, like, like you're yeah. living proof that, you know, treatment's working and, um, yeah, and at least, you know, you can then, un you know, there's other people that you can talk to who's basically, you know, dealing with there's OCD. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So look, thank you so much for coming on here again. Um, it's great talking to you and talking about this subject because I think it's really important. We need to get it out there. It's not like, oh, I stir my coffee a certain way and that's just my OCD, right? This is really, you know, really things that are going on for people. I, I do have one final question for you, which is, yeah. What book would you recommend to my listeners and why? And it like it can be anything. It doesn't have to be about OCD, but I'm building up this massive, great big list at the moment. And I don't know how I'm going to get through any of these books, but, you know, it's all good. This is, that's a good one. I, okay. So a recent one I read that is, is sort of OCD related that I recommend for more of a younger teenager kind of audience would be Turtles All the Way Down by John Green because the main character in there has OCD. So that's a good one. Um, and then I would say and from a from an OCD self-help, this is really an old book, but I still have it to this day. It was gifted to me when I was 21. And it's an old book called Brain Lock. Um, and that for me was life changing. It does interweave ERP into it. It's not straight ERP, but it is a lot of that. Um, yeah, I, I think there's so many, there's so many, but those are, those are off the top of my head. Um, two for one, that I think two for one. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. two for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I so appreciate you having me on because I do think, you know, this isn't something no. that is talked about enough or at least not the reality. Well, I think, it. You, so I, I think people joke about it. Um, and they don't actually understand really what it is, um, yes. you know, how it, you know, what causes it and how people can actually then get help for it. And I think the in people joking about it, oh, that's just my OCD or whatever, right? It's sort of, it's a very yeah. throwaway comment that you don't think is it actually um, going to affect anyone for want of a better way of putting it. But actually it means that in having that, in making that throwaway comment, you're actually making people go underground with it a little bit more because they don't want to go, oh, but I have got OCD. 
and it means that I can't do X, Y, and Z. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, so personally, it doesn't bother me because I understand that people don't understand, but there are people who are very much like, no way. And I will say, and I know we're, we're running out of time, but it is, it is so severe sometimes. And that's the piece people miss. At one point I was washing and I didn't get into this, but my face was burnt from washing with um, bleach. Um, and, and I actually ended up having like some, some pre-cancer in my mouth later on in life, probably because of this. And so when people say without knowing, well, I'm OCD because I like things neat. Well, I love things neat, whether that's OCD or just me, who knows? But that isn't what I, that isn't what haunted me, yeah. right? It was this idea of- It's not of, that obsessive uh, anxiety, uh, mental conversation, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like exactly what you say, right? I like things neat, right? Yeah. Well, there's, you know, I have to have my desk clear, right? It, yeah. Like when I work, okay, I can't have things on my desk, but yeah. I don't. It isn't like your whole family is going to be taken no. out by a bomb. Exactly. No, do you know what yeah, I mean? So not. I don't have, yes, that's a compulsion of mine, right? But it's not linked with any obsessive thought or any, you know, destructive thought that I'm sort of sitting. So it's just me being a bit of a neat freak in the fact that I like my desk clear and, you know, but that's not OCD. It really isn't OCD in any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, and and that's where, like, and that's why I get people like yourselves on the show, right? Because I just want to take the stigma out of some of these things and also to say to people you know i know you might be joking out there but you might be joking in front of somebody who actually is really suffering um yeah and you know and i know we're in a society where god we have to watch everything we say now which is like but yeah sometimes um it's not about um what we're saying it's just actually let's recognize these people as actually having you know proper full-on debilitating um illness basically and try and help them have empathy and, and go from there but yeah yeah, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh we got right down deep with that one but look thank you thank <laughs> you Stacey I've been trying to get you on here for such a long time so it's all good it's a, we're I here now it. we're here now yeah. yeah thank you so much it's so important no. it really no. is every little bit helps yes well look I'll let you get on with your day now um and i'll get on with my day we're in two different days but you know i'm on tuesday you're on monday (laughs) but it's all good well it was lovely to meet you and anytime yes thank you thank you bye thanks for listening i hope you have a wonderful week and i hope to see you back here again soon be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. I'm Councillor Chris Hill, Deputy Mayor of the City of Kingston and you're listening to Radio Caram. Don't worry about a thing.
Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night Don't worry About a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright <laughs>